Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. A girl flies to California to spend the summer with her father, but a wildfire upends her family's plans, leading them to a campground along the Southern California coast. That's the plot of the book, The Fire, The Water, and Maudie McGinn. It's a coming-of-age story centered around Maudie, who's trying to navigate waves of change, all while seeing and processing the world through the autism spectrum. I'm joined now by the book's author, Sarah J. Pla. She is a San Diego children's book author of several books featuring neurodivergent characters and an advocate for autism acceptance. Sally, it is great to have you here on Midday Edition. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. So what drew you to telling stories for children with a focus on neurodiverse perspectives? Well, I've always sort of been a writer. Uh, you know, I was a business writer. I worked at a business magazine. I freelanced. But in the back of my mind, I knew after having my three boys in the 1990s and early 2000s that I wanted to write fiction about family and about family dynamics and about kids. And I had an autistic son. Actually, all three of my kids, actually, our whole family is pretty much neurodivergent. (laughs) And as our awareness about this grew and just, you know, working through the nuances and the challenges and navigating it with our family, I knew that that's where my heart was at with writing. I really wanted to write books for kids and devote myself to that so that they would feel seen on the page, um, realizing how hard it was having kids early where, you know, back in the 1990s, it wasn't as much as of a, a well-known thing to be autistic as it is today. And just to see how othered they occasionally felt and to deal with that uh, really resolved me to, it, it's my mission now to try to populate the world with as many neurodivergent characters in children's literature as I can. Yeah, that is wonderful. But you know, neurodiversity is such a broad term. Uh, What does it encompass? What does it mean? 
It is a very broad term and misunderstood, maybe too broad. Essentially, it means any, you know, people whose neurodiversity itself means the wide spectrum of different kinds of brains that we all have, from what's considered just the more normally functioning uh, brains <laughs> to brains that may be autistic or have ADHD or OCD, anxiety even, dyslexia, dyspraxia. Um, there are many different ways that our brains can vary from the norm. And the term neurodiversity is meant to welcome all of those different kinds of brains under the one same umbrella and realize we are all human. This diversity is natural among us. All right. And tell us about your newest work, The Fire, The Water, and Maudie McGinn. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a very, very San Diego book. I live in Encinitas, and we often love to walk by um, Cardiff State Beach, just along there, you know, take that walk along the beach. It's so beautiful. We bless ourselves to be so lucky to live here every time we walk. And sometimes we'll like cut through the um, state campground there. And, you know, it just my mind, it just got my mind thinking, seeing the, you know, little, little signs of the community, uh, you know, in the RV trailers there and how people talk and laugh with each other and to see the surfers out on the water and feel that longing in me as an old an athletic person that wishes she could get out in the water and be a surfer. <laughs> I always look at them and think, oh gosh, that must be amazing to be able to do that. I'm like so filled with admiration for people that have the ability to, to be so graceful out there in the waves. Yeah. And, and just walking through and, and seeing that on our daily walks made the idea come in my head, well, what if that was the setting of a novel, a community, and how community can really save us? I think we're at a time where we're, we're so split and full of strife these days, but isn't it all down to community? Um, and I wanted to write a book about a girl that really needs community and finds it in a place like that. And... Um, I had also been reading a lot of mindfulness, and there's a wonderful quote by John Kabat-Zinn. He says, um, you can't stop the waves of change in your life, but you can learn to surf. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, that is just, that's perfect. That's just what I want to get across is just that sense of resiliency and learning how to deal with all those tumultuous waves of change and how that feels when you're uh, an, an autistic girl, you know, 13, that coming of age age, you know, when everything mm -hmm. is changing around you, to realize that you have resilience and strength. And that those are the things that the, that the story really gets at. Right. And this book opens with Maudie remembering a trick she learned from a teacher to help calm herself. Can you set the scene for us and talk about this advice Maudie gets here? Yes. Um, Mari, of course, is anxious and anxiety goes along with the sensory hypersensitive issues that can affect many autistic kids. So she's at a school dance and she's very anxious. And her teacher says to her, Mari, you're in sensory overload. Sit down. Just take this piece of paper. And I want you to think about and write five things you're you're feeling or seeing, you know, four things that you're feeling three things that you are hearing, you know, and it just sort of calms her down as she's writing down her observations about the world. She's able to process them a little bit. It's just a little anxiety trick that he helps her with. Hmm. And, and is that, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you put that in your book, 
um, were you informed by any personal experience? Oh, absolutely. I have generalized anxiety disorder. Um, everything in the book too, I, you know, therapists, I have a really good friend who's a family therapist that works with kids with ADHD and anxiety who, you know, helped me with a lot of this. Um, and just my own experiences in a lifetime of therapy. So yes, that all (laughs) totally informs (laughs) Maddie's situation in dealing with a lot of these issues. Um, yeah, she uses that trick. She's recalling that trick actually in a flashback because she's not in that school gymnasium as the book starts. She's just remembering it. Where she is actually is in an emergency shelter up north. She and her dad have just been evacuated because of a wildfire um, threat for their mountainside cabin. And mm-hmm. as the book starts, she and dad, who is very gentle, very kind, good dad, is... Um, but a, a little bit having trouble navigating the world himself. And mm-hmm. they realize they're going to have to abandon all their plans for their summer together and find an alternative. And that's what brings them down to Southern California to uh, an RV camp that is fictional, but it's based a little bit on that uh, car- Cardiff RDV camp that I usually walk through. But it's totally fictional. Yeah. All <laughs> right. You know, I'm wondering if you can read a few lines from the book. Oh, I'd be so happy to. All right, this is a little selection that's not far from the beginning. And it's about how Maudie is keeping a secret about what her life is like with her mom and her stepdad, which is a very dysfunctional life. And she's been warned by her mom not to mention it to her dad. So she's talking about this. And she says, I've never talked much as a rule, but this past year, I've really gone silent. See, I have this secret I'm supposed to keep now, and it feels like I've swallowed a burning lump. And I'm trying to keep it locked away, like behind a tiny door in my chest. When I speak, sometimes I can feel the door rattling. I know I need to someday get to the point where I can talk about the things that are too hard to think about, even though I've kind of promised not to, if that makes any sense. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. You know, can you tell us more about your main character, Maudie McGinn, I mean, and and how she sees the world and processes the, the things around her? Yeah, Maddie is this hypersensitive, sensory avoider kind of autistic kid. Um, there are many different kinds of autistic kids that just really run the gamut of all, all kinds of different um, attributes and symptoms and syndromes. And But Maddie tends to be just very gentle, very kind, very thoughtful, very nervous of doing the wrong thing. And she... Uh, you know, anxiety really, really affects her. I think she's ha- she has a sense of her loss. And that's true a lot with autistic girls. They they are more aware of their lack or their loss or their social uh, challenges than boys are. And oftentimes they do have a lot of anxiety like Maudie does. Uh, compounded with her problem is during the school year and most of the year she's spending with her mom, who she's always had a kind of struggling relationship with her her mom likes to use Maudie's autism on social media 
as, you know, something that she can talk about on social media to get more followers. And this makes Maudie cringe and feel embarrassed and feel a bit exploited, quite frankly. Hmm. And now her mom has married a stepfather who is very frustrated with Maudie's behaviors and doesn't quite understand them because Maudie has stims. Maudie forgets directions sometimes. If things are told to her auditorily and not written down, she tends to forget them. Um, th these are symptoms that were in my family and that I, we, I know well the challenges of, and I gave them to Maudie. And all these cause her a lot of problems with a stepfather who cannot control his anger at her and a mom who is not standing up for her. So she's having a very, very difficult time with her home life there. And that's the, that has a lot to do with the secrets that she's, you know, she, she doesn't feel like she could talk about that with her dad when she goes for the summer to spend with him. And now, of course, dad has all kinds of other worries with the, you know, with the losing the cabin and trying to find new work and living in an RV trailer that one of his high school buddies has given to them for the summer. And Marty is blossoming in a lot of ways in this new changing life, but it's also very challenging. Yeah. And, you know, you've described this book as the most autobiographical work of yours to date. Um, you mentioned your, that your family, um, pretty much everyone has some degree of autism. Talk a bit more about that and why you say this is the most autobiographical work of yours. Yeah, um, I have two other uh, middle grade novels or novels for people 10 and up. Um, sometimes I think grandparents love my novels just as much as kids. <laughs> but the first one is The Someday Birds, which is about a boy named Charlie and a cross-country trip that he's forced to make. Um, he's autistic as well. Uh, the second book is called Stanley Will Probably Be Fine. It's also set here in San Diego, and it's about Stanley who his all of his friends are ditching him, and he's very anxious, and he has a lot of sensory issues. And um he decides to try to win his best friend back by entering a big treasure hunt about comics trivia all around downtown San Diego and try to win tickets to Comic-Con. So those are my two other books, and they were about boys. And they were based a lot on the interests and experiences and laughter I've had with my three sons. This book, Maudie McGinn, she's my first female autistic character, and I feel like she's my child, and I feel like she's me. Um, you know, the, a lot of the things that I contended with growing up are in her. I was also a very much struggling, difficult child that my dad didn't know how to deal with me, and we clashed a lot. Um, it was really hard for me, quite frankly. My dad is turning 90 on Friday, and I love him, and I know he loves me. I know he means well, but it was very difficult, and we've talked honestly about what that was like growing up and how hard that was. It was very hard for me. Yeah. And talking it through with your father, was there some closure or, I mean, how did you walk away from that conversation? He... Well, you know, it wasn't a long conversation, but he admitted just to know that he knew and regretted and had grown on, you know, had grown from that and to become somebody different. He's a different person now without the work stresses and all of the stresses that impacted his behavior when I was young. But it's damaging. You know, that's really damaging. And I wanted to write about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we there's rates of abuse for kids that have disabilities 
Studies place those rates of abuse at four to 10 times higher than for kids that don't have any sort of disability, mental or physical. So for kids mm-hmm. that frustrate their parents, this is far too often a reality. And I wanted to, I wanted to address that. Yeah, that's why, you know, your writing is so important and raising awareness about this is important too. And you're also part of an online community called A Novel Mind. It's a it's an online space for children's literature and neurodiversity. Tell me about that. Yes, um, I created A Novel Mind along with my uh, friend and colleague, Miriam Saunders, about four years ago now, and it's grown to be this huge site. It's a resource for mental health and neurodiversity representation in children's literature. We have a database with over a thousand books that you can search by issue or type of book. So say you wanted to find um, a book about eating disorders for preteens, you could enter those search parameters and it will spit you out a list. Or if you wanted to find a book about ADHD for preschoolers, so picture books, you know, you could enter that in. Um, besides the database, we also have a weekly blog where today's foremost children's authors are writing about their own personal issues with mental health or neurodiversity and how that affects their writing and their, their books. And we also have tons of resource pages that were created by um, Adriana White, who is an autistic librarian uh, in Texas. And she's created for us really wonderful resource pages for teachers and librarians to use, as well as families and parents. So it's at a novelmind.com. All the information is there. It's just a labor of love. Great. And, you know, I'm curious, between when you first started writing children's literature and now, have you noticed books becoming more inclusive of children who are neurodivergent? That's such a great question. And I think the answer is yes. Even though really it's only been, you know, six, seven years since I first started I see a great difference, and I'm really hopeful that we're going to see a lot more representation in the future. And we need all those stories. I mean, the rates of autism since the year 2000, I think, have gone up 178%. Mm. And it's kind of good news because it means we're getting better at diagnosing and finding the kids. I don't think it necessarily means that there's any type of epidemic going on there. We're just finding the kids that were struggling before without help, and we're giving them the help. But the rates are highest in California, higher than any state in the nation. Um, Autistic kids are, I think, at 1 at 22. So basically, go into any classroom in the state of California, and there's at least one kid, probably two if you include ADHD and other types of neurodiversity that are on the spectrum. You know, there's, so this is, it's just huge. So there, you know, if you think 1 in 22, every single classroom in the country really, uh, you know, where are the books? We need a lot more books and a lot more stories for these for these kids to help, and for everybody so that we realize that this is just part of this great umbrella we're all under. All of our brains, our human brains, we're all, this is all behavior that we need to respect and accept and be more aware of all and accommodate all the different ways that we learn and grow. Given that there are so many neurodivergent people, is there such a thing you think as normal? Personally, I don't. (laughs) Personally, I don't think there's any, especially with the past three years we've been through. Oh my gosh, aren't we all just hanging on and doing the best we can? But I, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I I think we're all just somewhere 
I know they say it, it might diminish the sense of people that really struggle with severe autism to say that we're all, oh, we're all on a big spectrum. You know, that's often something that's found to be insulting by autistic people because they do struggle. We do struggle with a lot of things. I'm sitting here with my little stem toy in my hand, like desperately rubbing it as we speak so that I can stem off some extra energy and speak coherently to you. I mean, we all have our issues and our little tricks to try to get along in a world that's not quite made up for us. So not to, to diminish anybody's struggle, but I don't think that there's such a thing as normal. And I think we all struggle with, with things. Yeah. You know, what do you hope readers will take away from this book, children in particular? I want this to be the kind of book where they finish, feel their heart just expanding with warmth in their chest and hug the book for their chest and feel, I understand that. This Maudie is just is a lot like me. I feel this too. Resilience and courage and strength and hope and community and all those good things are at the end of this book. And they are all possible for us. And that's what I, I want kids to feel or all readers to feel because it's really not just a kid's book. It's 10 and up, but that they feel like that too, that they're not all alone that we all belong to the same human race and these feelings are ones that we share. Mm. And on Saturday, June 10th, you'll be appearing at San Diego Central Library uh, for an event sponsored by the Special Needs Resource Foundation of San Diego. Tell us about that event. The Special Needs Resource Foundation is such a great organization. They um, basically, any, any child of any ability is welcome. And what we do is three authors, we're going to each read a little bit from our works. And then there's a craft where there'll be a big craft table where the kids can um, make a craft um, based on some theme in our work. And they hold this event every year at the Central Library. So I'm going to be there this year along with authors Julie Hampton and Chris Barron. And I'm also having a book launch party at Warwick's Bookstore on July 10th at 7 p.m., and I'd l it's just open to the public, and it would be wonderful to see any friends that might want to come by. Oh, that's great. Okay, okay. I've been speaking with children's author Sally J. Pla. Her latest book, The Fire, The Water, and Maudie McGinn, comes out later this summer, and she will be uh, at Warwick's in July, and also in June, she'll be at the uh, San Diego Central Library. Sally, thank you so much for sharing uh, this story. Oh, thank you so much for letting me share it with your listeners. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. 